You are listening to a Hillbilly Horror Stories classic episode. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org to discover more shows like this one. The Darkness Awaits. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast, you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Pauly, and their dog Ninja. Wouldn't it be great if babies came with instruction manuals? Introducing the groundbreaking video series, Being with Infants. Presented by world-renowned child specialist and Montessori teacher-trainer, Beverly Kovach. With hours of individual lessons and demonstrations on feeding, diapering, sleep, play, environment, and much more, Being with Infants is the perfect gift for any new parent. Five-star rated, Being with Infants, now playing on Amazon Instant Video. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 96 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry and I'm joined by my beautiful co-host Tracy. Hello everybody. Hope you've had a great weekend. This has been a really cool uh, week of events. It has been. And it's all little bitty stuff, but it's little stuff that means a lot. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course it does. Of course, we want to start off by thanking all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent and serve for. Amen, brother. Uh, once love again, you guys. Sorry, I cut you off. Sorry. <laughs> Gotta get my love you in there. <laughs> I wanted to, again, uh, jump in here with um, the suicide prevention line here in the United States. 1-800-273-8255. And just a reminder that if you're feeling down, if you're feeling like uh, you're just not worth it, uh, hanging around anymore, talk to somebody. It's mm-hmm. um, it, more times than not, it's something that you're going to get over really quick. You're thinking, you know, maybe about dwelling on something that may be too long or you're, you're, you're always going to be your worst critic. And uh, trust me, there's people out there who love you and want to talk to you and want you around. You just call out my name because you know wherever I am. That's all. We're trying to prevent suicides. Maybe you misunderstood (laughs) where we're trying to go. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Anyway, I just felt like singing it. Fantastic. Great. Now, uh, real quick, we want to go through our um, Patreon supporters for the week. Bumblebutt Podcast. Bumblebutt Podcast. Boy, I love that name. (laughs) And... Amy, I'm assuming it's him. I bet it's Hemi because there's two M's. I bet it's him. Oh. And uh, Brianne Barr, whose name is spelled like Roseanne Barr, but uh, preferably not the same kind of hijinks as Roseanne. Then you've got uh, Nick and Rob from Ohio. Love you guys. Jeff Danes, I saved for last. Why did I save Jeff Danes for last? Because not only is he a Patreon supporter. It's awesome. 
He also bought two tickets to Potter and Love and posted yes, on our page. Yes, wonderful. So looking forward to seeing you in um, August in uh, New Orleans. Oh my gosh, we can't wait to meet you, hun. We got, uh, speaking of Patreon real quick before we get into the um, um, iTunes reviews, we were supposed to draw for a Patreon t-shirt winner last month, uh, but we didn't because I totally lost track of it. So we went ahead and drew for two winners, and it's it doesn't have to be a t-shirt. Uh, I'll send you guys, just uh, send me a message. I'm going to send you a message too, but I'll, I'll send you to the store and I'll let you pick out what you want, but uh, it'll be up to a $25 value, so you can pick out. We've had people pick out bags and pick out, uh, well, not shower curtains because that costs more than $25. <laughs> but but uh, the winner for May is Tim Mays from uh, Grand Rapids, Yay, Michigan. Hey, Tim. And the winner for June is Caitlin Huff. Woohoo, Caitlin. And Caitlin's in Kingsport, Tennessee. Nice. We've actually had a rash of people from Kingsport, Tennessee. I was going to say, I don't have no rash. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> mm. Sounds like a little personal problem to me. Either way. So let's jump in real quick to our um, uh, iTunes reviews. We've got Corey Rayleigh. Thank you, Corey. Shane Waters. Thank you, love. Shane, obviously, is, is the host of um, uh, Out of the Shadows podcast. Yes, we love Shane. we will be doing a live show with. I'm excited July about that. 28th in uh, Indianapolis. So if you haven't gotten your tickets yet, we keep posting on our page. That's the place to find it. Mysterious Circumstances will be there as well. It's yeah. going to be a really cool event. We got, uh, it looks like Alec P522, L.S. Turn, Captain Morgan. I know him. Steve O in LB, Shelly from Coburg, and RWTXRH. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much for your very kind words. We love you guys so much and uh, just hope you keep them coming. The highlight of my day, believe it or not. <laughs> We're going to bounce back real quick to Patreon because we just released a Patreon episode and we do listener stories episode. Mm-hmm. And we had Emma from uh, Nottingham, England. Yes, on. it was so great. And she told a story and her story involved, um, I'll, I'll let you in on a little bit of it, but for those of you who haven't heard, but her story, part of it involved, she had a newborn baby, about two months old, and the baby was just being able to learn to turn over. Mm-hmm. And she had seen a dark mist upstairs, like a, almost like a shadow figure. And um, then she brought went past it, grabbed the baby, took it downstairs. She put it on a changing table, and she said as she turned around basically to get a diaper, the baby turned over and fell off the changing table. But she said when this happened, it's almost like, the baby floated yeah. down, almost like some unseen hands mm-hmm. had grabbed the baby and kept it from just smacking on the on the uh, um, concrete style floor. And wow, that's amazing! So that was the that was the fun part of the story. But she sent me a message and said that her daughter, who's now old enough mm-hmm. to know what's going on, she's you know because I think this was you know seven eight years ago. Oh. She listened to the story and her daughter was upset that she didn't mention her daughter by Aww. name. She just said the Bless baby. Her heart. Oh, so, now she's a young lady. <laughs> yeah, and so her name is Beth, and I told uh, Emma that we would mention Beth on this episode to make up for her not mentioning her on the Patreon episode. Hey, Beth. Thanks for listening, sweetheart. So we have what I think is a... Oh, I got one more. Okay. This one just happened right before the show, so I... Okay. Rob uh, Mulhering. Oh, Yeah. He drew or painted, I'm going to say, the most awesome picture for Hillbilly Horror Stories, but I'm 
I've posted it, I think, already on all of our social media, so you'll have to check it out. But it's actually got the back of Tracy and I. You can see the back of our heads and then the laptop, and it's got all these cool uh, figures from shows that we've talked about yeah, in the past. Yeah, so it's totally amazing. All over it, and then it's you know it's got the hillbilly horror stories uh, written underneath of it that it's like made out of logs, and it's phenomenal. We, I, I, we can't thank you enough for doing that. That that stuff like that really hits home for me. I think, and that you took the time out to do that, and it's um, it's totally awesome, and I can't wait to get it. Yeah, I can't wait either. It's it's really I'm putting cool. in a frame. And we will. And we will. We'll. And just I just wanted to say again, thank you so much for doing that. That's totally amazing. Yeah, thank you so much, Rob. And we appreciate You're you. Very being, talented, by the yeah, way. Without a doubt. The the picture is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Even, you even got that little creek thing back in not a creek, but a big line in the back of Jerry's head. Where it looks like a pack of hot dogs. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, but you nailed it. I'm losing, I'm losing weight, though. It used to look like a pack of hot dogs. Now it's more like a pack of Vienna sausages. <laughs> Baby so, weenies. So it's getting better. Oh, thank you again, honey. We appreciate you so much. But we've got a really cool show for you tonight. Uh, this is one that it's been suggested probably since we started doing this thing two years ago. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, just didn't feel the need to do it. And today, today. Just, just hit him in the right today mood, I guess. So... I'm not going to tell you exactly what it is. If most of you out there who really get into the paranormal will already know this place, and you'll probably get it before I tell you what it is. Tracy, on the other hand, probably still doesn't have a clue if I asked uh, her right now. No, I would not have a clue. And that's really, I guess that's sad, right? No, it's not sad. Well, we talked about this earlier. It's not sad because I think that's what works for the show. And what it proves is Tracy is not really that much into the paranormal. She likes the stories. If you If somebody's telling her a story... She'll get into that particular story, but she's not going to seek out stories. She's not going to go to YouTube and look up any videos if it's on uh, flipping through the TV channels and it's one of these ghost stories or hauntings mm-hmm. or something. She's not going to stop on that channel. She just don't. That's not her interest. I'd be scared. And for that reason, she doesn't know some of the biggest, I mean, Waverly, she knows because it's in our backyard. Bobby mm-hmm. Mackey's in our backyard. Mm-hmm. You pretty much name any other place. She has no clue. Nope. Like, if I asked you right now, what's the Stanley Hotel? Where's it at? Do you know? You know, I should know that because we did a story we on it. We did do a story on it. Any idea? Um, <laughs> I forgot. It's in Colorado. Colorado. Oh. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't try to throw that in on the end and that Dang line. it. You caught me. So it's in, you know, what part of Colorado? The biggest part <laughs> ever. Actually, no. It's in Estes, Colorado. Oh. And what is the um, Stanley Hotel famous for? Are you putting me on the because, spot? Because this is, I feel the, ignorant. Because I'm proving a point. Well, you don't have to go no more. They know what, I'm dumb. What is the Stanley <laughs> Hotel? What, the Stanley Hotel is famous for one really big thing. What would it be? No, I'm not going to tell you. Stanley Cup? The Stanley Cup, which is hockey oh. and has nothing to do with <laughs> paranormal. Well, they might have been <laughs> haunted cups. The, you don't know. The Stanley Hotel was where Stephen King stayed, where he oh, got the idea it. for the shine. I really did know that. So, when you put me on a spot, I can't do it. But that's the whole point. The point is, she doesn't know about a lot of these things. And I think some of our listeners that we've been able to accrue in the in the almost two years we've done this are people like her that maybe don't have that huge fascination, but they still enjoy the stories and enjoy the show. Thank you so, for kind of saving me there. Well, I mean, that, but that is the, the entire point. You don't have to be a paranormal junkie, mm-hmm. so to speak, to and enjoy the I, show. But you're like, it's like you said, I do enjoy them. Once we... 
talk about them and stuff like that. I guess I just try to put them out of my brain because I want to go to bed at night and sleep. You know what I'm saying? And you know how my mind works a thousand times, you know, miles a minute. So I can be thinking about how come I didn't cook that for dinner to like, oh, my God, that guy like chopped his head off. And <laughs> and then I just it just freaks my mind out. So where's the St. Augustine Lighthouse at? St. Augustine? No. Florida? He was close, though. Florida? <laughs> no? No, you've got that one. I did get it. Yeah, you did get that one. Okay. Yeah, yo. So we've mentioned on the show several times that some of the most haunted places are hospitals, prisons, and hotels. Yeah, why can't they venture out a little? Well, bit? I mean, you get so many people that come through there; it just it just makes sense. Mm-hmm. If you got a house, you might have even if that house is a hundred years old, there might have been fifty tenants. Yeah, well, you got that a night. Oh, of course, in at, a hotel, at, at, yeah. even at a small hotel, mm-hmm. and some hotels have three, four, five hundred rooms. So mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. So the and same thing with the with the. Um, hospitals and prisons there's so many people and with the prisons of course you've got all the uh, bad stuff that happens with the yeah. prisons that makes it even worse yeah but not, even, some... not even ghostly related right right <laughs> don't Dro- drop the soap yeah. <laughs> but the hospitals are the same type of way because you've got not just hospitals you got a lot of death in there but you also right. have like sanatoriums and mm-hmm. sanitariums and all that to where you've got all kinds of other stuff Going on mistreatment of patients yeah, and asylums. Yeah, that's, that's, and... that, that's just, I can't handle that. But hotels are a little bit different. Um, they just have a lot of people going through. But a lot of people staying in hotels, there's, there's a, a wide range of emotions. You've got people that could be on a vacation. You've got people that could be somewhat homeless, and that's the only place they have to stay. Mm-hmm. You could have people that are going through a nasty divorce or something. Yeah. And, or somebody just had a fight with their spouse, and they're just... They need to go get a room or somebody whose house burnt down. So there's so many yeah, different oh, reasons yeah. that you could be in a hotel. And we're going to focus on one of those hotels tonight. It's a hotel, but it's not just any hotel. It's listed literally as the most haunted hotel in America. It's in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. And most of you who are paranormal junkies have already figured out we're talking about the Crescent Hotel. Crescent Hotel is, like I said, listed as the most haunted hotel in America. That's their website. Oh, dear. Their website wow. is the most haunted hotel in America.com. They embrace this. Mm-hmm. Is this hotel scary? Honestly, it's scary enough for a two hour ghost tour that's on the premises. Yeah. Think about that. We went on a tour at Waverly two hours. Mm-hmm. That's a lot to cover. Mm-hmm. They covered two hours at a hotel. On their ghost tour. The tour covers at least seven ghosts that haunt the hotel. We're going to get into some of them a little bit later. This tour gets 30,000 people come through a year. Just for the tour? Just for the tour. Oh my gosh, that's great. And they're charging like 23 bucks a tour, so they're making some bank. That's about six hundred thousand dollars just That's on a weird ghost tours. Total twenty three dollars. Well, I don't. I, I can't. You just it. made it up. No, I didn't. It's like twenty two oh. fifty, and but children cost less. Oh, gotcha. So, Man, that's that's awesome. I'd love to go do that on Halloween weekend. They said they do twelve to fifteen tours a day, with twenty five people on each tour. That is insane. <laughs> One of the things they talk about on the tour is in two thousand and five, uh, Taps, you know, Ghost Hunters uh-huh. uh, from the TV show, they came down and they caught a ghostly human image in the morgue and they also talk about how nurses are seen pushing dead patients down the hallway and i know what you're probably thinking right now a morgue nurses what the hell's going on we're talking about a hotel 
Yeah, that is a little weird. Well, I guess we've got a lot of uh, history to cover then, don't we? I guess so. So let's talk about Eureka Springs first. This is where the where it's built. Right now, there's about 2,000 people who live in Eureka Springs, and a half of those people are artists. No kidding. Yeah, this is like a really artistic... Yeah, but that's a lot of shops and stuff. Yeah, it is. It's in the Ozark Mountains, and it was originally made famous for its healing springs. Nice. Thus, the term Eureka Springs, when it was named it, it was because, you know, like... Eureka! Eureka. That's exactly right. Eureka was made big during the gold rush, so that's where Eureka really came up. Anyways... In 1956, there was a guy by the name of, he was a doctor by the name of Alva Jackson, and he came across uh, one of the springs called Basin Springs. And the Native Americans in that area had known about these healing springs for years. That's Mm -hmm. what they used it for. And supposedly, the spring somehow healed Jackson's eyes. I don't know what was wrong with them, but supposedly it healed them. So he started selling Jackson's eye water. (laughs) Jackson's eye water. That's catchy. Yeah, kind of. So he then brought a friend up there by the name of Judge Saunders to try to heal a uh, a bum leg that he had, which Mm -hmm. I don't think anything happened with it. But word got out about all this stuff. And on July 4th, uh, 1879, Eureka Springs was officially founded. Well, maybe it only works for eyes. (laughs) Maybe so. Maybe you shouldn't have been so specific. (laughs) (laughs) Thousands of uh, people started to visit here because people wanted to be healed. Mm-hmm. And uh, in 1881, it had sprang up to be the, I said sprang up. You sure there. did. It was the fourth largest city in Arkansas. Wow. So it went from being nothing to, in a short period of time, the fourth largest city in the state. Wow. In 1882, Eureka Springs Improvement Company was formed. And they decided they wanted to bring the railroad to the city, which would also help. Um, and they wanted to develop... Um, uh, amenities there for the growing area. Now, the former governor by the name of General Powell Clayton, he headed up that company and he used his ties with the railroad to have thousands of houses and uh, commercial property buildings built in just a few years. Think about that. Thousands it's, built that, in that's, just a few years. I mean, I don't even know how that's possible. Well, nearly 2,000 of those original buildings still exist today. That's a bunch. Yeah. So many exist that the entire uh, town, I guess, is on the National Historic Register of, of uh, Historic Places. Well, good for so them. The whole town. That's really cool. But all good things must come to an end. And uh, in the early 1900s, modern medicine started decreasing people's interest in the healing springs because they didn't have to go to the healing springs. They could just get medicine for a lot of the things that ailed them. Yeah, but why wouldn't you rather go to the Healing Spring instead of pay outrageous prices for medicine? Well, I'm pretty sure they didn't pay outrageous prices for medicine back then. Humana wasn't really a thing in the early Well, I know, but still. So then the Great Depression hit, and that hurt the area even more. And uh, after World War II, tourism picked back up. In the late 50s, Beaver Dam was built, and then there was Pea Ridge Battlefield was made into a national military park. Both of those things brought started bringing business back Mm -hmm. to the area. Now, it's also a very religious area, and two other attractions of the religious nature brought uh, a lot of publicity and uh, tourism back to the area. Christ of the Ozark statue oh, in wow. 1966, which you've seen that. I have that's seen the, that, yes. That's the, the replica, like when we're going to Gatlinburg, yeah. uh, and kind of like the one in Middletown. Oh, that's, yeah. Those are replicas that is of beautiful. what this, but, but this one is huge. Huger than yeah. that? Oh, yeah, yeah, this is huge. But that, that is a beautiful thing to see, I'll tell you. And then there's the uh, uh, the Passions Play theme park, 
where it's uh, religious based and it's got um, Jesus ascending to heaven. There's uh, camel rides with chariots and stuff oh, like that. Oh, that's cool. From well, that's so, really nice. All right. So let's get into the hotel part itself. This beautiful palatial hotel was opened in 1886. It was built of native limestone. And, you know, we're theories before about limestone and what they hold in. And um, so, as we mentioned before, early 1900s, tourism kind of dried up. The hotel was starting to struggle now, and it needed to raise some extra money. So, in 1908, it opened the Crescent College and Conservatory for Young Women. But it was only there during the... You know, off-season months, uh-huh. so spring, fall, winter, right. Just they had the school, school. But in the summer, it was still a yeah. hotel. The uh, Great Depression hit, and it killed tourism again, and it caused the hotel to close down in 1934. So it was vacant for a few years until it was bought in 1937 by a Dr. Norman Baker, and we use that term doctor very loosely, about as loose as Roseanne uses her Twitter account. Uh-oh. You see, Baker was a lot of things. He was a uh, vaudeville actor. He was an inventor, a radio show host, and a station owner, and a self-made millionaire. He was a lot of things, including a liar and con artist. Hey, whatever works. Yeah. What he wasn't <laughs> was a doctor. Oh, that's not cool. So let's learn about Baker, the man, before we learn about Baker, the doctor, or quack, as, as most people in the medical industry knew him to be. So, and he was born in 1882 in uh, Muscatine, Iowa. He was an inventor that actually came up with a style of calliope that was uh, in huge demand for carnivals and circuses. Mm-hmm. So, you know what a cal- calliope is, right? No. You know circus music? The, you oh, know, that's... That, the, like that, the yeah. steam organ type thing? Okay. So, he didn't invent the calliope, but it was a different type that was in high demand, and that's where he made most of his money. Plus, his family had money, so he had money already. But, mm-hmm. Anyway, he uh, started a radio station, and in the late 20s and early 30s, he was like a Howard Stern-type shock jock. Way before there was any of that, he was the guy that was a rebel rouser on the radio. So he hears of an alleged cancer cure by a convicted uh, medical swindler by the name of Harry Hoaxie. Harry Hoaxie. Good old Harry. That <laughs> sounds bad all to begin with. <laughs> so he goes down, he checks out, you know, hey, what's going on with this? cancer cure you got which i could see why he was so excited about it because all five test subjects died so obviously he's onto something uh, that's just, not how it's supposed to work yeah case he not. didn't know but he was convinced enough where he he brought this guy uh back to muscatine it's muscatine uh, iowa and by april 1930 the baker institute of muscatine was open and what he did was he would get on the radio station and he would advertise that he had a cure for cancer. And there you go. People just bought it. Well, sure they did. Because, I mean, You're this, desperate. This was, you were desperate. Now, what were these treatments? Well, he had injections of a mix of different common things that most people would have access to, like watermelon seed, clover, water, corn silk, and carbolic acid, which I'm not sure what carbolic acid is. But it apparently is pretty common. But he was basically just household products and mm-hmm. foods. So then he would get on the air and call doctors educated fools and cutters and basically said that they were incapable of helping patients. But he could. He could help patients. Mm. Obviously, this started rubbing people the wrong way. And a Journal of American Medical Association wrote an article 
calling him a quack. Well, I mean, I know it's back in the day, but when there's something they could do about that, stopping him, I mean... Well, we're getting to that. Oh. So Baker responded that this uh, American Medical Association was basically just trying to run him in the ground, that they offered him a million dollars for the uh, cure so they could just do away with it and mm-hmm. people would be forced to come to them for operations. Yeah. And the American Medical Association said, absolutely not. That's None of that happened. And when it was all said and done, Baker turned around and sued the, uh, the magazine, the journal, for... Uh, liability or being liable and um, what do you call it? defamation of character okay well I was going to say why can't the magazine sue his butt <laughs> I mean he's the one done it first right yep so what ended up happening is in May in 1930 the state of Iowa filed for an injunction against Baker uh, Hoaxie and three other people for practicing medicine without a license Baker would have these big um, huge outdoor events like a Woodstock type deal where people would come up and then he would sell them all his little medicines and stuff like that. And he was making a fortune. And uh, they said that the Institute would bring in over a hundred thousand dollars a month because the cure for cancer is expensive, you know, Oh, and keep in mind, this was like 1930 and it was yeah. bringing in a hundred thousand dollars a month. Ugh. So in 1931, they shut him and his radio station down. Good. And he moved to Mexico for a while. He had a clinic down there, and he got a radio station that was the most powerful radio station in North America. And in that way, uh, it would reach to the U.S., a lot of parts to the U.S., but he couldn't be governed by the FCC because he was in Mexico. Hmm. I mean, that was kind of smart. Yeah. In 1937, he found a town that was down and out on its luck, which was Eureka Springs, and he bought the Crescent Hotel and turned it into a fake cancer hospital. He made millions. People flocked to him hoping for a cure, but most of them died. Hundreds died, a matter of fact, during the three years that it was open. Here's an extra version of Creepy, but this is what ended up getting him um, caught and put in jail. He would write letters to families, like when patients would die, Mm -hmm. he would write letters to their family so they wouldn't know they were dead. Wait, what? Yes. Oh, you're kidding. That way they would he would keep getting, getting the money. And at the same time, he would make it like this place was like, you know, some kind of a pleasure dome and it's like the greatest thing in the earth and but in reality it was a dump and people were treated bad. And, and so nobody like none of the family members came to visit or I, say I, I guess what the so heck? all these people probably came from all over the place. Aww, so they weren't just that that's readily so mean. acceptable. So yeah, he would write these letters. In nineteen forty, chargers were filed. And they end up busting him on mail fraud. I don't know why, once again, they can't get him. I think. They, the, well, I think the medical thing, he's not really given, he's given herbs and stuff. So that's really not medical. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's so, but of all things, a mail fraud that he got busted on. Well, I mean, that's like Al Capone ended up getting busted on tax evasion. Yeah. Out of all the people he killed. And, hmm. you know, so, I mean, they got to find loopholes somewhere. That's so terrible. So he spent between 1941 and 45 in prison in Leavenworth. In that's Kansas. it? Yeah, what's his mail fraud? Four years for mail fraud is pretty good. He died in 1958 in Miami, Florida. And uh, depending on what article you read, some say cancer, which would be ironic. Yeah, and that'd be karma. That's what that would be. And then others say that it was cirrhosis of the liver. So one of the two, but he died in 1958 for that. 
Baker was known for his love of purple. Yay. He was like Prince before Prince. He would wear white suits with purple shirts and lavender ties. He even had purple vehicles. And when he bought the hotel, he took all this, because this hotel had all this beautiful Victorian mm-hmm. wallpaper. He took all this stuff out and painted everything like different shades of purple. Oh, see, now, I love purple, but I would never do that. This guy supposedly was handsome with uh, wavy white hair and hypnotic eyes. Now, obviously, this is the time uh, during the hotel that that's resulted in the visions of the nurses pushing dead bodies down and, you know, in gurneys. And the reason there's a morgue, which we brought mm-hmm. up earlier in the basement, the original uh, autopsy table is still there today. And there's also an area where he would keep body parts in jars with uh, formaldehyde. I, don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't know much about that. How long does that last? It lasts a long time. You can, body, you can put stuff in from out uh, from and it stays forever, pretty Ooh. much. I don't know how long it stays in uh, from out of Jekyll, but in from out of Nice. It's, <laughs> so this this basement area is where the ghost hunters from Taps caught that image that we talked about earlier. Yeah. And there's a lot of things associated with this area, so you could see how many different spirits might actually be trapped in this place from the horrible Mm three-year period just from him. So in spring of 1946, the uh, hotel was actually purchased by three men. Uh, In March 15, 1967, they still owned it. There was a huge fire. Now, at this time, only one of the owners was still alive. Oh. Um, And there's really not a whole lot of about previous owners and stuff from 67 until 1997 and that's when Marty and Elise uh, Ronick, and I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but I think it's Ronick, they bought the hotel. So uh, how much of it burnt? It said it burnt almost all the way to the ground. So I'm thinking mainly inside stuff because the whole thing was built out of this limestone. So that's not going to burn. Oh. But I'm thinking a lot of the stuff inside burnt. Okay. But apparently it was restored back to the original stuff. So you go to 1997 when Marty and Elise uh, Ronick buy the hotel. Staff started calling, telling them like immediately, and telling them ghost stories. And these stories went all the way back to the very initial construction of the hotel. They'd been told not to talk about it by previous owners because obviously they were afraid that they were going to scare tourists and and potential stayers away. Yeah. Now, the Ronicks took a different approach. They decided they wanted to embrace the whole aspect of the haunting, Mm -hmm. and they hired two mediums. It was two guys. One of them's name was Keith Fugate, and the other one's name was uh, Carol Heath. And they were both originally from San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Of course, now they're down in Arkansas, which is kind of odd. I don't know. Anyway, so they they start doing some research and stuff and doing their little things that mediums do when they go through and kind of read the house. And their findings, along with numerous reports from decades, became the basis for what they use as the tour today. And originally, these two... Uh, guys were the tour guides and for whatever reason um they ended up going to just using it in-house so now Mm -hmm. they have just their own tour guides instead of using the mediums carol heath said that he discovered a portal to the other side for people who were on the same frequency and the manager of the hotel at the time now this was 2015 from this article i read but he said that it makes sense years later it didn't really make a lot of sense right then but at the time Carol he said it, they didn't really have anything to go on. He said now, though, he recognizes after years of, of having 
uh, many people truly connect with the spirits at the Crescent Hotel that there's obvious something's going on. And it really kicked into high gear when the ghost tour manager by the name of Keith Scales uh, came to him with a concern. Keith said that several people were, were growing faint and some would briefly pass out at the exact same point oh. of the tour. And he didn't really have an explanation for it. That's interesting. So then Keith told Moyer, who was the manager, where the where the stop was. And he went out there and he said, okay. And Moyer said that was the exact same place that Carol Heath had said 10 years earlier where was a portal. So Keith decided to take uh, this manager, Mr. Moyer, out and show him the exact spot. Just stand there just so there was no confusion. And the place is right outside the hotel's annex entrance. Now, what made it more chilling is that they realized right afterwards that where this portal is, is directly over the morgue, where the morgue oh, used to be. God. Moyer said that no one can confirm or deny that this is a portal in the Crescent. It's all part of the you know, mystery and unexplained happenings in America's most haunted hotel. So, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, I was just, that's just creepy. I don't know how... I mean, I guess you have to be sensitive to know where that portal is, I guess. Or just a different frequency. I guess that's that whole thing, like when people, what was that the other day where people were, you know, that, that one thing was being said and one person heard one thing and one, you know, Laurel. Oh, and, yeah. You know, it's different. People have different frequencies and mm-hmm. hear things different. And I guess oh, that's, people that's, sense things different. Well, hmm. So let's talk about some of the ghosts, because these are really some cool stories, even more cool than some of the other mm-hmm. ghost type sightings. So... Staff members receive frequent reports from guests in, in their rooms and in the hallways. Now, room 218, room 424, two of the hotspots, 419 is another. Those three rooms, 218, 424, and 419, are the three most requested rooms because they're the three rooms that had the most activity in them. <laughs> and they said that when you call to request a room there, if you want one of those three rooms, mm-hmm. there sometimes can be weeks or months before you get it. Before you can get it. So let's talk about 218, because that's the most famous of, of, the, of the three rooms. Several guests and employees have encountered strange sounds and weird feelings. Doors slam shut, and some people have uh, been shaken awake mm-hmm. from their sleep. There was a salesman at one night, and he said when he was asleep that somebody basically grabbed his shoulder, and they violently shook it back and forth until he woke up. He said as soon as he woke up, he heard footsteps kind of like hurrying across the floor, but there was nobody in his room. So he like after he shook his shoulders, he didn't say, hey, are you awake? Yeah, I don't guess so. (laughs) People think that this might be a ghost by the name of Michael. And remember we said that these hauntings went all the way back to the construction. Mm -hmm. Well, Michael was a a very young, attractive stonemason from Ireland who was working on the building, but Mm -hmm. he was also a huge flirt. And they said that uh, while he was working on the top of the hotel, that he saw a woman that he thought was attractive, and he was trying to get her attention, and he fell. Oh, that's not a good first, <laughs> not, <laughs> not a good statement to, you know, I mean, hey, bam. And where he, he just fell to the bottom of the hotel? Nope, he fell right where room 218 is today, and that's why they think that may be him. Oh. I bet that girl felt bad. I, she may not have even known. She may not have even realized it. That's a shame. For a good looking 
Gotta go to waste. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, like I said, he died right above where room 218 is now. So room 419 is known as Theodora's room. She was a cancer patient back during Dr. Baker's time there. And people report her fumbling for her keys at the outside of the door. So as you're there trying to sleep or watch TV or whatever, you can hear somebody fumbling for their keys. And that would be her. She also likes to tidy up the room. Like, so if you're kind of a slob and leave stuff laying around, mm-hmm. she'll tidy it up for you. And she's even packed for guests before. Well, that's cool. But why do they think that's her? I don't know. It didn't I mean, say anything what's to fumbling say, with your keys got to do with anything? I don't know. Maybe she was just clumsy. That's just like uh, if somebody heard a, a klutz ghost tripping and falling, it would be like my sister. It could be her ghost. <laughs> oh, that couldn't be a truer statement. <laughs> Other ghosts that you might uh, see on, on time to time there is Dr. John Fremont Ellis. He was the hotel doctor back in the very early days when it first opened up during the Victorian period. And he's been seen spotted wearing a top hat and evening wear. Aww. He's a very nice dress ghost. Well, good for you. You can also smell his pipe tobacco near the elevator. Very cool. Only if it smells good. Well, yeah. And it could be annoying. <laughs> There's a little girl who was left unattended near the uh, grand staircase on the fourth floor. And because uh, there were very poor building codes back then and safety standards in the late 1800s, as you could imagine, she was able to get underneath the lower banister and fell to her death. Oh. She was three years old. Oh, no. People claim that you can see a blue orb. It's like a childlike blue orb. I don't know what a childlike blue orb is. Huh. But you can see that, and they think that's the little girl. Bless her heart. Let's jump back to room 218 real quick. Uh, Another story, and I thought this was really cool, from um, one of the hotel's former owner's wife used to stay in that room. And one night, she woke up and started screaming and ran out of the room because she said that there was blood splattered everywhere. What? And then the staff went up there and inspected, but there was absolutely nothing. Like there was nothing? Nothing. So they said that this could be maybe Michael. From where he fell because he had landed. And maybe that had something to do with that. Or maybe this was one of that quack baker's operating mm. rooms. But nobody really knows. Yeah. So, um, they they know some of these rooms they say are so haunted that people in the middle of the night have left their room and went downstairs and slept in the lobby like on one of those old Victorian couches or something. Big uncomfortable couch because they were so scared to sleep in their room. Yeah. I, I could feel them. I would do that too. Let's jump to uh, one of the other haunted rooms we talked about, 424. Um, nothing really specific to mention has happened there, but they've just got numerous uh, amounts of, of complaints from guests and staff mm-hmm. about just weird feelings and, and uh, things moving around in there. But nothing, no yeah. big story to tell, but it's still one of the most common mm-hmm. rooms for those kind of things. One of the other ghosts that people see, they say there's a distinguished looking gentleman. He's got a beard, a mustache, and he's dressed in old-fashioned formal attire. Now, he's usually seen in the hotel lobby or in the bar, uh, and they think he likes to hang around the bar because it's decorated in Victorian style, mm-hmm. which is probably from the era that he looks like he's from. People claim to talk to him, but he just sits quietly and then vanishes. He just never responds. So he's a rude ghost. <laughs> That'd be cool, though, to see it. <laughs> here's, here's a cool story about him, though. One of the staff members said that there was one summer they were extra busy, and they had two auditors, which were people who worked the front desk, uh, working. And one of them left the front desk to go get some water out of the bar after it was closed. Like, you can't get water somewhere else. You got to go to the bar to get water. Come on. Could explain the rest of the story. So anyway, he said there was some guy sitting on a bar stool when he got there just looking straight ahead. And uh, he said 
the guy didn't say anything. And uh, he's, he's, so he started talking to him, and the guy just ignored him. And what is he saying? Bar's closed. Yeah, I don't know. Closed. Last call. Time. I don't know. But the guy wasn't responding to him regardless, so he went back to the front desk to get his partner. And they both came back, you know, thinking this guy was just a drunk or something. So mm-hmm. they both come back, and the guy's still sitting there <gasps> oh my on the gosh. bar. And so they said, hey, he's not listening to us. To hell with it. We'll just leave him alone. They took four or five steps going back towards the, the lobby. And before they got out of the bar, they looked back over their shoulder, and the guy was gone. They, the bar stool was completely empty. And uh, the one of the guys decided that he was going to go look for him. So he goes looking around and he's looking all over the whole lobby. He don't see anything. He walks over to the steps and he looks up the stairs and he sees the guy on the second floor landing mm-hmm. looking down at him. And then he gets decides to walk up the steps. So he gets up the steps. Right before he got to the second floor, he said he felt something pushing back down the stairs. You know, like just holding him back. Not well, he's probably him. aggravated. He done left the bar like they said. Now he's they're following him up the daggone stairs. <laughs> Anyway, this guy said uh, he pretty much said screw that, and then he went to go get the manager. <laughs> like the manager was, oh yeah, because you know all managers, managers have won't. the power of the paranormal. <laughs> the power of bellhop could tell you. <laughs> In July of 1987, a guest said that she saw a nurse pushing a gurney down the hallway in the middle of the night. The nurse reached the wall and vanished, and then she later found out that several people had actually witnessed this exact same experience and it was always reenacted the exact same way. So none of these people knew each other, but they mm-hmm. all had the same story. Now, Baker, his apparition is believed to show itself in the old recreation room near the uh, the foot of the uh, staircase that goes up to the first floor. People who have seen him says that he looks lost. They said that he starts out going one way, and then he goes, turns, and starts going the other way. Aww. So hopefully he's trapped here for all the bad shit that he did. That's oh, thinking. that's yeah, what you're saying. That, oh, so that's right. So yeah. that's not an aww. That's a ha-ha. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, gotcha. Well, they said what's, this is, a, I thought, a funny story. They said that, that they used to have this antique switchboard, and they had to have it removed because they were having so many problems. Now, here are the problems. In one of the summers... They would get calls from the recreation room, which was in the basement. Well, there was no one on the other end of this call because that room is unused and it's locked. I was going to say, it probably don't even work anymore, does it? No. And, well, I guess the switchboard did. Oh. So anyway, they would uh, they would go get this call. They would go down and check it out, and they would always find that the phone was taken off the hook. But there was no way for anybody to get in here. There was only one key. And that was at the front desk. And that's the only way anybody could get in or out. So how these phones were getting taken off the hook mm. and setting the, the mm-hmm. uh, thing off, nobody knew. So one night after one of these calls, one of the members of the staff said he went down there, but the phone was on the hook. But he felt a very strange presence. And he just felt like something was in a room with him. And he said he just really wanted to get the hell out of there. So... He locked the door and went back upstairs, but the switchboard went off again five minutes later, showing it was coming from that room, but this time he said he did not go and check it out. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> That's the end of it. And we're going to end with, uh, we're not really ending, but we're going to kind of wrap this story up with a picture from room 202. Nobody knows who took this picture or where it came from. 
or while he took it. But it's got a like a misty figure slouching into the closet of the room. And supposedly the only other person in the room was the photographer. Ooh, can't wait to see that. Me either. I hope I can find it. Oh. I haven't bothered to look for it yet. Oh, dang. <laughs> so I thought what we would do, I found um, three personal experiences from people on the tours. Mm-hmm. And I thought I would have Tracy read these. Hmm. So how about this? Where's my specs? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Okay. I leaned my shoulder into the wall. I heard Mike. My fiance and I were there for the weekend and actually stayed in 419. We had no experiences in the room. However, on the 9.30 p.m. ghost tour, it was a different story. We were on the tour and had just made it down to the second floor and were walking up to Michael's room as the tour guide had just started telling the story. I was one of the last to meet the party, so I leaned up against the wall close to the door and as soon as I learned leaned my shoulder into the wall I heard Mike say out loud it was said one time and in a male voice I asked my fiance if she had heard anything or said anything as she was close to me she had neither heard or said anything no one else in the group knew who I was or my name so they would have no reason to call out to me. I got goosebumps and started sweating and just felt weird right after that happened. We were talking about it coming home and the same feelings hit all over again. Thank you for a great visit, Mike A. The second story comes from, says, Strange Experience in the Morgue. My last experience was in the morgue at the very end of the tour when the ghost tour guide was trying to contact a young man. I stood at the very edge of the freezer and my friend stood right next to me with her back to an empty hall that we all had just came through. While the guy was trying to communicate, my friend whispered to me asking if I had heard that. I turned to her to let her know that I only heard a child say something and I couldn't make it out. I then turned back around to listen to the guide. A few more more minutes had passed when my friend asked me again if I could hear that. I asked her what she had heard, and she had stated that she was hearing breathing in her right ear between us. I bent a little and tried to listen, but heard nothing, so I just shook my head and turned back around. She then told me to hold my breath so she could listen, and I did so for about 20 seconds. After a few more moments had passed, she told me again, You don't hear that? This time, the look on her face was of horror, and her eyes were teary. I then shook my head, then turned back to listen to the guide. Suddenly, it felt as if someone took both their hands and slowly expanded their fingertips widely on the back of my head. I turned around, but nothing was there. Plus, my head was against the freezer, so no one could have done that. Yikes. That's freaky. It is freaky. The last one says, my legs went freezing cold. Kind of like mine are right now. (laughs) You are sitting by the air conditioner. I know. True story. Many people have experiences which are quite remarkable and which they cannot explain. At the 1886 Crescent Hotel and Spa, the following was sent by Vivian Angel and her friends. They were on my ghost tour a few days ago. While sitting and waiting while you spoke about what will happen on the tour, my legs from mid-thigh down to my toes suddenly went freezing cold. 
I looked around for the air conditioning and noticed it was not blowing on me and the rest of my body was normal. I then looked at my friend and she said if I felt like the floor was shaking and I told her that the whole hotel feels like it's shaking. It felt kind of like being on a ship of water. She then felt something brush against her leg and looked to see what it was, but nothing was there. So, dang. That's some scary stuff right there. <laughs> that's, I think that's more what people experience more than anything. It's just that feeling. Yeah. And then nothing to experience it. Man, I don't know what would be worse than having somebody whisper in your ear. I think that would creep me out the worst. Women also, they like a guy to whisper in their yeah, ear. Yeah, but romantical things i'm like i'm gonna kill you that is romantic oh for some people <laughs> well i'm not into that so <laughs> <laughs> but that was cool that they shared their experiences and and i would love to read some more of those because i like to see what everybody else had going on with them i think we shared enough stories from there no that's true that's true i mean on my personal time <laughs> Yes, yeah, because that's what you're going to do. We've already established in this episode that you don't do that on your personal time. Well, that's true. All right, so before we get out of here, a couple of things. Once again, Potter and Love, August 10th to the 12th. It's going to be really cool. And if you go to the site, which you're, I'm going to play the uh, at the end of this show, we're going to play the Potter and Love uh, little commercial. So you got all the details there. But if you go and order tickets and put in Hillbilly, you'll save 10%. That sounds good. Phenomenal, and you can come the hang out with us. The more the merrier. Yep, you can come hang out with us. And uh, did we? I don't know if we talked about the schedule. We this is going to be so cool. So we're I'll mention again, the very first day at like two o'clock, I think is what it is. And, and if you go to the website, our whole schedule is up there, so you can see what everybody does. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the podcasts like going to be there. What they're doing? Yeah. But I know we are on a panel uh, for a paranormal panel, and I know uh, let's see who else is on that one. It's History Goes Bump is on there with us, and it's Haunted Visions, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it seems like there's another one, but it's at least us three, so it's just, apparently it's just the H's. Well, all I know stories, is Haunted I hope, Visions. Yeah, and, that's very true. I didn't even think of that. I hope they don't ask me no hard questions or I'm going to be in trouble. Yeah, no kidding. You better be putting a wig up on you. So that would be a panel, and then uh, that one, and then uh, we've got... A live show that we're doing on Sunday, mm-hmm. and we've got, uh, I get to introduce Astonishing Legends, which nice. is a big thrill for me, and I believe that's Saturday night, and then we've got a Dark Myths panel that we're on that's got a bunch of people on it, so mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be really fun down there, so I'm excited about it. I am too. I'm very excited. And before we get out of here, I wanted to touch on one thing. At the very beginning of the show, we played, um, it's like, like a little commercial, it's a promo but what it is, we've got a, a friend of ours who is involved uh, with this new training videos. It's called uh, Being with Infants. And I posted on our page before uh, the link to be able to check this thing out. But we've actually got a friend of ours, another friend that actually uses this. And uh, he, he swears by it. He's mm-hmm. like, he's like, and what it's for, um, in case you didn't get it or didn't listen all the way to the beginning, because some people fast forward to the beginning. But... If you're a new parent or you're expecting or just got to have a newborn and you're, you know, people always say, oh, wish there's no books to tell you how to raise kids, which there's books out there. It's like Dr. Spock's been around forever. <laughs> but this, these are actual videos that teach you everything from like how to pick up a baby, how to support their head, how to lay them down, when uh, to tell that they're ready to be weaned to table food and 
it's all these things that sometimes you have parents teach you, sometimes you don't. But if you've got these questions that most parents have in the beginning stages, this thing tells you all kinds of stuff. And yeah. it walks you. It's like all the way through them getting ready to start school. Mm-hmm. This is, But you can get it, you know, you can buy it video form and you can buy it on uh, Amazon Prime and all that. So anyway, I just thought we'd help them out a little bit and throw them a bone. Uh, we're not getting any money off of it. We're just trying to help them out. And I thought it was a pretty damn cool idea. Yeah, I wish that video was around when I yeah. was having kids. Seriously. So, I'll, I'll post a link um, to the site, and if you guys it's something you're interested in, I know it would definitely help them out and help you guys out too. Yeah. Thank you guys so much, and uh, next week we're going to do the Snurl family haunting. The Snurl? S-N-U-R-L. Snurl. Hmm. What a terrible name. <laughs> that, that could be the worst part of the story, because they're stuck <laughs> with that name. Aww. So we'll talk to you guys next week. You Thank guys you so have, much. Have a great week, guys. We love you. Hi, I'm Dina Marie, the host of the Twisted Philly podcast, and I've got a question for you. Do you love podcasts? Because I sure do. And that's why the podcast community, Podcast We Listen To, is hosting their very first podcast convention for listeners. It's called Potter Love. The Potter Love convention is for listeners by listeners. It's for all of us, and it includes podcasts from every genre you could imagine, including comedy, movies and TV, pop culture, paranormal, history, health and fitness, true crime, and so many more. Our first convention is August 10th, 11th, and 12th, 2018, in one of the coolest cities in the country, New Orleans, Louisiana. And it's being held at the Intercontinental Hotel, which is a premier French Quarter hotel. The location is amazing. And the room rate can't be beat either. It's only $129 a night. Tickets are on sale on the website at www.podern.love. That's www.podern.love. There are over 40 independent podcasts already lined up to present at Podern Love, and we'll be adding more before the convention. Plus, featured podcasters have discount codes, so you can get a discount on your tickets. Be sure to follow Pottern Love on Twitter and Facebook for the latest convention updates, news, information about new shows that are joining, and links to a dedicated website just for Pottern Love attendees to book their hotel room. We can't wait to see you this August in New Orleans. Hey, Hillbillies, if you guys enjoy what we do here on the show every week and appreciate all the hard work we put into it, consider being one of our Patreon supporters. All you got to do is go to our website, hillbillyhorrorstories.com, click on the tab for donations, and you'll see the Patreon link right there. Click on it, and you can go to our Patreon page. Then you will have a decision to make. You can choose the $1, the $3, the $5, or the $10 donation. Each one gets you different things a month. But regardless, you get some free stuff. Just check out the bonuses under each tier and you'll see what you get for free for that month. But you'll get something free regardless. Also, if you'd like to buy any Hillbilly Horror Story merch, you're also in the right place on the website, hillbillyhorrorstories.com. Just click on the store page and see whatever it is that you like. Click on a few links, send a little bit of money, and your item will be on its way. Thank you guys so much for all of your support. We love you. We thank you. And we appreciate you.